welcome to today's The Contractor's Best Friend Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Humphrey. We're sponsored once again by Caterpillar and 4constructionpros.com. And joining me in studio today is Jason Hurtis, Caterpillar Quarry and Aggregates expert, and Lonnie Fritz, our Caterpillar heavy construction and road building expert. Gentlemen, today we have a major hurdle to get over. Uh, Everybody has equipment costs. But how do you estimate for it? So today's topic is really estimating equipment maintenance cost. And Lonnie, would you like to kick us off? I mean, what, having been a contractor, you sort of have sat in that chair before regarding how do you prepare for that? How do you prepare the cost that you, that you know you're going to have in the future? Yeah, so if we look at the operating cost side of the equation, it, it really starts in the field. It starts in the field understanding um, repairs, whether it be the labor side of it for the service, the parts, parts and labor charged out to that machine. So in past experience, it was part of the field management team's responsibility to make sure things were coded along with the mechanics, Mm. coded out to that asset number and then by component. Was it electronics? Was it engine? Was it transmission? Whatever it may be, overall powertrain, et cetera. Um, All that cost then was put towards that machine, that asset. So then when you add in the fuel, you add in the operator and all other components of the operating cost equation coupled up with the owning cost, you get to true cost. So it kind of goes back to what we've talked about in previous podcasts with measuring, like measuring fuel. Exactly. If you're not measuring it, you're not going to know true fuel burn, fuel efficiency, and the same goes with on the operating cost. And really, what is it costing us? Because then the contractor turns that over into their estimate to capture what that machine is costing them so they can recover it and be profitable. And let me add real quick, Jason, before I move to you, this is all. This actually feeds into your budget. And, and I still find, in, in working around the country, how many contractors, now the larger contractors usually do, but it's, you're never too small uh, to start budgeting for the following year. And equipment cost has to be part of that figure, right, Jason? Oh, absolutely. And I'd almost make the point, the smaller you are, the more impactful it is because it's going to be a bigger portion of your budget if you got a skid steer and a mini excavator as a landscaper compared to if you got a fleet of 10980s. Right. You know, the overall impact to your maintenance budget, I think, is going to be dramatically different. And how do you prepare for for those one-offs that happen? I mean, you can't plan for everything. We get that. And budget people know that. But at the same time, equipment has become such a vital... It is very important in the construction, whether you're in mining or whether you're the landscaper or the, or the, or the concrete uh, or paving, paper, that type of thing. You have to have equipment to run. And so you've got to make sure that your uptime is, is certainly more than your out. Your, yeah, your I think if, if the more you plan plan maintenance the better you can react to unplanned downtime or unplanned maintenance and whether that's working with your with your dealer on a you know a a maintenance type program using telematics Mm. to help you get ahead of the maintenance program understanding what the manufacturers have done as far as extended oil intervals and oil analysis and what parts you should have you know on your shelf to be ready for an unplanned downtime experience i think the more you plan the less interruption and the less cost you're going to have overall. Jason, I don't want to take us off, off off target here, but shouldn't that be a part of your vetting process before you purchase a piece of equipment? I w- if it was me purchasing a piece of equipment, much like me purchasing a new truck, yeah, mm-hmm. that all goes into it. Can this dealer service me? How's the parts look? You know, what type of 
um, service can I get from them and how fast I can get it? Absolutely. And how close are they to me? Well, and the last thing you said, how fast I can get it, that's become now a supply chain mystery. <laughs> yeah, I kind yeah. of stepped into that one a little bit. I probably should have avoided that. But uh, yeah, I mean, everybody's experiencing parts availability yep. issues yep. and parts escalator issues. That's even why it's more important mm. that if you would have planned before to have your belts and hoses mm -hmm. and batteries and stuff that you would need ahead of time, you're probably better off than somebody that's hand in mouth. Lonnie, let's build on that because he just said something again that actually is it, it's triggering you know for the for the contractor. How many belts do you keep in stock in your tool? <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the, 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 those kind of parts. Enough. <laughs> well, that's clear. Yeah, yeah. You keep you keep everything that you need, but um, you know we have those recommended stocking lists at the dealer level. Okay. You know that can be uh, conveyed and shared over to the customer level. Depends on hours utilization. Right. Depends on applications. You know how many teeth do you stock? How many cutting edges do you stock? Mm. What are you cutting in? Mm. Are you you know you cutting in a softer material or more mm -hmm. abrasive material? So it's application based. It's understanding how quickly you're gonna go through those teeth. We have customers out there that literally go through a ripper shank tooth one one a day yeah you know just because there's some very hard material down there in southern part of texas for example and a customer we helped with some ripping techniques and training um so it it depends i hate to say that but the most important thing is is being prepared and mm. you know take a customer value agreement with caterpillar it helps you kit up what you need for preventative yep. maintenance having those parts there on time based on your usage rates and uh, when service needs to happen one other thing i'd like to add kind of dovetailing in what jason said is uh is just planning mm -hmm. the more that's why it's called yeah. preventative maintenance yeah, right. to head off catastrophic right. failures right. Right. to ensure resale value and all those other great things let's stay on that OEM. But Lonnie, I don't have time service. to stop. I don't have time to take the equipment out of the schedule. I gotta have it. I understand. We, what we don't have time for is the unplanned downtime. Right. And Jason, I've done some topics on that as well. And it's better to be able to rely on that asset because yeah. I always say, like I've told you before, it's a teeter-totter. I'd rather have that teeter-totter much higher in the uptime and drive down that downtime. Downtime, right. And then I have the asset fully ready to go. You know, there's a formula, and, and we've talked a little bit about this before in the past, but I'd like to see if one of you could maybe just do a little recap. The total maintenance cost per, per RAV, give us an idea of what, what are we talking about there? What are we trying to accomplish uh, through that measurement? Well, I mean, the simple equation is your total maintenance cost times uh, 100 usually or another factor divided by your RAV. The other thing you need to look at is what's the... And RAV is replacement. Re yeah, Warranty, sorry. Right? Yep. That's all right. Replacement asset value. That's right. The other thing you need to, to look at, and I know contractors are facing this today, you know, with machine availability yep. and parts availability, yep. they're starting to push those equations a little bit. And you got to really look hard at what's the right blend. Hmm. You know, do I go ahead and rebuild this machine? Do I do a full rebuild, a partial rebuild to get me through the next year or the next job or the next two years? So that equation and stuff still valid, but there's a lot of dynamics that go into it that mm. as a fleet manager, you have to understand and be aware of. But, but staying with you for just a moment, Jason, if your maintenance, if your projected or estimated maintenance cost is really going to be higher than the RAV, do you have to make some other decisions potentially? For me, yeah, that's kind of the tipping point. Mm. If, just like your personal vehicle, if it, mm. everybody said, hey, you know, your dad used to say, if it's starting to nickel and dime you, get rid of it. Yeah, you, that's you, right. And, and the same yeah. thing with heavy equipment. Yeah. When you're starting to put more into maintenance and you're having more unplanned downtime yeah. than you are planned downtime, you know, that's a decision point. Do I, do I need to move it out of my fleet? Do I need to move it to a secondary instead of a primary application? Mm. 
Do I trade it? You know, what are the what are the levers that I can pull so I can keep my production and fuel efficiency back up? Lonnie, I'm gonna let you kind of take us down the downstretch, but let me let me ask you if you could maybe address this. Let's let's again let's summarize what we think are wise decisions to make as you're looking at estimating your equipment maintenance cost. We've talked about some of those costs and what we need to do, but how do we actually go in and begin that estimate? You, Caterpillar has some recommended um, uh, uh, parts, perhaps a list, right, to keep mm-hmm. in store. That should be built into equipment mm-hmm. estimating, right? Absolutely. Okay. And, and you know, we like to refer to the automotive industry, and you flip to the back, and you see those recommended maintenance intervals. Bingo. We have the same thing. Right on the owners and operation maintenance manual, you know, the O&MM. Look through there, look at what we recommend as a manufacturer who knows that machine very well as to what is recommended at those hour intervals, right? And we have extended those out. So you really want to take note of those when we're taking engine oil services from 250 to 500. That's going to change your equation. We're doing that for a great reason. And that's to drive down your operating costs, drive up your uptime and availability because you're not always pulling the drain plug and putting a new filter on it. So again, it, it's measuring everything and anything that goes into it, understanding the application mm-hmm. uh, that you're in, and uh, just how, how how much are we going to need to uh, really tend to that machine uh, based on how much it's utilized, how much it's not, how it's being used, how it's not being used, and um, and, and it really uh, comes down to the ultimate reliability for that for that machine. This has been very uh, a very good podcast from an information standpoint. Appreciate your guys' input. Hey, if you've enjoyed this podcast, we invite you to not only to listen to it again, but you might want to go and, and dig down in the archives either at Caterpillar or ForConstructionPros.com and maybe listen to some other topics. I, I got a feeling we're going to revisit this one again in the future one of these days, guys. Thank you for being here again. My name is Brad Humphrey. This has been the Contractor's Best Friend Podcast. Have a great day and put the things you've heard today, put those to work for yourself. Have a great year. Want more tips from Caterpillar experts? Go to cat.com and select the Construction Industries page. In fact, look for experts' tips, tech, and tools to find out more information.